Welcome to the Truth and Liberty broadcast. We believe we have a mandate to bring godly change to our nation and the world through the seven spheres or mountains of influence. To further this cause, we give away a product every week that will empower you to get involved in changing your life and changing our world. You can register for our weekly giveaway by subscribing at truthandliberty.net. You can also subscribe to our newsletter to receive weekly updates on guests, news, and much more. This is an interactive live cast and we welcome your questions. To ask a question during the live cast, use the comment or chat features. Now get ready to dive into this week's topics with our hosts on location in Colorado, USA. Hello and welcome to the Truth and Liberty livecast. Uh, my name is Mark Cowart sitting in for Andrew Womack tonight. We've got a very special guest, actually a first time guest to Truth and Liberty, Ambassador Sam Brownback, who has served as ambassador at large for international religious freedom and uh, many other things on his resume here that are just amazing. And we're going to give a more proper introduction to him in just a moment. But tonight's broadcast is something you're going to want to hear. Pretty shocking stuff. And uh, so I invite you to let other people know to tune in right now. But before we uh, have our special guest, Richard, we've got some announcements yes, and some exciting news. And we'll let you cover that. And All right, Pastor Mark. Thank you. Well, uh, so excited tonight to have Sam Brown back with us. What an honor and uh, really looking forward to tonight's show. Um, and to all of you who are watching, thanks for tuning in. If you're, if you're watching tonight on YouTube, I do want to encourage you to watch directly on our website at truthandliberty.net because uh, YouTube sometimes doesn't agree with the things we say here on, on Truth and Liberty and they like to cancel us. So uh, be sure to watch directly on our website for the best viewing experience. And speaking of our website, uh, we're always in, um, adding new resources and information there. So be sure to check out that research center and uh, resources page. I want to mention in particular, Colorado voter guides are now available that we've published. Uh, we printed over a million paper copies, but we've also got digital copies available for you on. Uh, you can click right on the website at Truth and Liberty and it'll take you right to those. And you can find the research there, English and Spanish versions, and you can take those, download them, print them, disseminate them to all your friends and, and and, uh, family and uh, help people, help Christians and believers be informed as they go to the polls uh, now. And of course, Colorado is an all mail-in ballot state. And so people are already returning their ballots. And I think I saw we've already got a million turned in in Colorado. So uh, let's be sure to get those voter guides uh, out there and, and uh, uh, equip your fellow Christians on uh, voting according to biblical values. Um, and if you live in other states, I want to recommend that you check out iVoterGuide, uh, which is, uh, they're, they're growing all the time and they cover most of the state now in many different races. So be sure to vote and uh, uh, check out iVoterGuide. We've got some events coming up here at uh, Andrew Womack Ministries. Even this week, uh, the Women Arise Conference begins November 3rd through the 5th. So Thursday through Saturday, Terry Savelle Foy, Audrey Mack. Uh, man, if you've never heard Audrey Mack before, you are missing out. She is a fantastic uh, uh, preacher and a woman of God. And our own Carrie Pickett, who's a, a great minister in her own right, are going to be ministering. So it's not too late to register at awmi.net slash events. Uh, the da Dallas Gospel Truth Conference is next week in Dallas, of course. Andrew Womack will be ministering along with Pastor Dwayne Sheriff, uh, one of the greatest Bible, two of the greatest Bible teachers you could ever fit in the same room. Uh, it's going to be awesome. So be sure to register for that if you're in the Texas area and uh, you'll be blessed. 
The heart of Christmas is coming up. It's closer than you think, December 9th through the 11th. Uh, this this uh, uh, drama, dramatic telling of the birth of Christ from the perspective of the Jewish people, uh, the, telling, the story of the Messiah. It's powerful. It's awesome. It'll bring you to tears. Elizabeth Murin uh, wrote this, and it's awesome. And then also our living, nati living nativity, December 16th through the 18th. And there's camels and horses and donkeys and a live baby Jesus and all kinds of stuff. It's really wonderful. And come enjoy the lights here on campus at Karis Bible College. It's going to be great. Hey, listen, are you a subscriber to Truth and Liberty? If you're not, I really want to encourage you to. You know, we've got tens of thousands of people who get our emails every, every I don't want to say every day. They don't go out every day, but several times a week where we provide you with information that you can use to stand for truth in the public square. Uh, you know, just uh, yesterday we sent out a, a very special one related to uh, new information about abortion and the harm that it causes to women. Uh, but that's just one example. There's uh, action alerts and all kinds of stuff that we always send out. So subscribe today. And if you do, we'll, we'll put your name in a hat. You'll be eligible to receive our free product giveaway. Last week we gave away sharper than a two-edged sword. And I want to congratulate Carol Peters. You're the winner of that. Carol, you'll be getting an email about how you can claim that gift. This week we're giving away, um, this happens to be one of my favorite books of Andrew's, which is You've Already Got It. You see the dog chasing his tail here. That's most Christians in life are like this dog, trying to get a hold of what God's promised when the truth is that He's already given it to them. And uh, this is a life-changing book. I promise you it'll revolutionize your walk with God. Subscribe today and be eligible for that. Uh, also, this is an interactive live cast, guys, so post your questions and your comments uh, for uh, Ambassador Brownback and Pastor Mark here and we'll do our very best to get to those. Do it in Facebook on the uh, comment section or the chat box there on our website at truthandliberty.net. Um, also wanted to mention that uh, you know, Mark, we do what we do here at Truth and Liberty. We're growing all the time. We're reaching more and more people all the time. And we do it through the generosity of our members. And uh, if you're not a member of Truth and Liberty, if you want to support what we're doing, you want to uh, get involved in turning this nation back to God, you can do that. Just uh, go to our website, truthandliberty.net, to the donate page, and sign up to make a recurring automatic uh, gift every month of $5 or more. We'll, we'll definitely uh, can use more. If you give it, we'll figure out how to spend it uh, here at Truth and Liberty, and you'll become a member. And uh, just remember that we're a C4, 501C4, so gifts are not tax deductible, but God notices, and I believe He'll reward you openly for that. Um, also, uh, if you need prayer tonight, you need someone to agree with you, to join their faith with yours, just call into our phone center at 719-635-1111. And uh, uh, Andrew's got an, a huge room full of Spirit-filled, Word of God-trained prayer ministers who will more than happily agree with you in prayer. And I tell you, Mark, miracles come out of that phone center every single day. We used to, here at AWM, we used to get a like a ticker, stock ticker that go across the bottom of our computer screen telling us of, of the latest miracle that was coming out of it, but I think they got too many. It was just <laughs> too much to do. Salvations, baptism in the Holy Spirit, healings, uh, people being set free from all kinds of things, and suicide prevention and all kinds of stuff. So call in today if you need prayer. And uh, um, with that, I'll turn it over to you so we can and get on with our program and talking to Ambassador Brownback. Awesome, Richard. Thank you. Man, a lot of powerful stuff going on. It's yeah. so awesome to see what's going on here with Truth and Liberty and AWMI and everything. Tonight we have as a first-time guest to Truth and Liberty, Ambassador Sam Brownback, who served as Ambassador at Large for International Religious Freedom. Uh, Ambassador Brownback, welcome to the Truth and Liberty Livecast, and thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's a pleasure to join you, Mark, and I uh, 
Love the backdrop. Love what you're talking about. I look forward to the discussion we have tonight. Well, Richard and I have actually been really looking forward to this because it's very shocking, um, the things that are going on. Now, I was wondering if you could just share a little bit of your background, your resume, and just the things that you've done are so impressive, served as governor and then the Senate. Would you tell us a little bit about yourself? And then we want to get into this discussion. Yeah. Uh, I'm a blessed man. I, I'm the most blessed man I know. Um, Raised on a family farm in eastern Kansas, uh, married, five children, nine grandchildren, uh, and now uh, been blessed to be able to serve in places like uh, U.S. Congress, Senate, Governor, Ambassador, uh, and then uh, recently started up a National Committee for Religious Freedom. It's 501c4, just like the uh, organization that you have, uh, to stand for the free exercise of religious freedom in the United States. I've in much of my career worked for international religious freedom, opening religious freedom around the world. And then as I came back from that ambassadorship and focused more on the U.S., I got to see just how much we're losing ground on religious freedom in the United States and uh, formed up this, uh, this entity to stand for the free exercise clause. Remember, in the Constitution, it says the Congress shall establish no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So you can't have an official state church of the United States, and we don't want one anyway, don't need one. And, but you can't also limit people's peaceful free exercise of their faith, however that may be. And you may not agree with people's faith uh, or how they express it or act on it, but you have a constitutional right to peacefully practice that. The key thing here, Mark and Richard both is that that if, if the United States starts limiting religious freedom, it will limit religious freedom around the world because everybody watches what happens here. This is the country that was really founded on this principle of religious freedom and free exercise. And any limitations that happen here, any crowding in that happens here, it'll get magnified overseas and it'll get far worse for everybody else. So we really got to fight for this religious freedom and free exercise clause and right right here at home. You know, you said something so key because it's almost as though the Lord has blessed America so much. We're kind of like the firewall that holds back these forces of darkness and tyranny. And we just recently had here with Richard and I on Truth and Liberty, one of our dear friends, Bishop Joshua Lawery from uh, Uganda. And the Lord has really been using him in Uganda. And we made a discovery that some of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, they honestly pray very intently and probably more fervently for America to stay strong than even Americans. Because they said if America goes down, the rest of the world's going with it. And, uh, you know, we appreciate all the ways that you served our country. But you had an incident that happened when you went to your bank to make a deposit for this organization. And when Richard and I heard about it, it we were shocked. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, happy to. Uh, so we opened up uh, this organization earlier this year, National Committee for Religious Freedom. Uh, we were opening up a bank account uh, and we hadn't been established at this uh, bank uh, for we went well less than a month. 
uh, Chase Bank, and I go to put a deposit in it. It's a startup organization. Uh, uh, I'm putting some resources in to help get it up and going because it's just getting getting started. And I go and the teller uh, looks on the account and says, well, that account's been closed. And I, you know, I kind of go, what? Uh, yeah, that, that account has been closed. It was done at the corporate level. And um, so you can't put a deposit in on this and you're, you'll get your money back within a certain amount of time. And I, I, I was really stunned because I was going, we just got this thing stood up. We've just opened this account. We haven't done anything. And then the account's been closed. I, I've never dealt with a bank that's done something like that. And then we started uh, digging into it and, and uh, contacting people at the corporate level. And we're told that the decision was made at the corporate level to close the account, that it's secret. We're not gonna tell you why it was closed and it's irrevocable. Uh, we're, this is it, it's done. Uh, we're firing you as a customer, that's it. Uh, we did some more contacting the people at Chase Bank and um, and then somebody said, well, okay, we'll consider reopening the account. If you'll disclose uh, who gives 10% or more of your funds to your organization and your criteria for supporting candidates. Wow. And we're going, well, it's, it's a 501c4. It's not required to disclose. Uh, and I'm, uh, I, I am thinking, I, we were thinking, we doubt you asked that of all of your private nonprofit organizations to disclose those things. So we opened an account at another, uh, another bank, but we thought, you know, I've heard this happening to too many organizations uh, and most just kind of quietly go their way and they find another bank or they find some other institution to help them out or find another way around. We thought, no, we exist so that people can exercise their, use their free exercise clause of the, of their religious freedom. They can do this. And we ought to stand up and push back against that. And so that's what we've, that's what we've done. We've, uh, we've started asking more questions. We've started a campaign called Chased Away, uh, asking other people to tell us if they've had a similar experience. And then we're gonna collect those and, and give them to uh, government officials. Well, that, that was a question that came to my mind as you had this happen to you. Did you find out this has happened to a lot of others or one or two, or what was your discovery on that? You know, before we started the private, before we started the public campaign and people can go on our website and they can, they can tell us about their experience, our website, thencrf.org, uh, the NCRF, National Committee for Religious Freedom.org, and go in there and tell us about it. But before we even started this campaign, I was hearing from really mm. dozens of um, religious conservative leaders, mostly, that this had happened to them. And they just kind of quietly went somewhere else and found another bank, another insurance company, another way to get their information uh, out to people. But I thought that that's we should not do that in this case because this is the very reason we exist is so people can have a, a, a free exercise clause in public or in private. You're supposed to be able to practice your faith in this country in private, uh, in security, in public, and not be threatened. Uh, that's the that's the nature of religious freedom, and uh, and you know, and it's my way of thinking, and the and the founders' way of thinking. This is a God-given right. 
God gave us religious freedom. Mm -hmm. He didn't make us robots that we've got to follow him. He, he gave us freedom. So this is a, this is a God-given human right that no government or business, in my estimation, has the right to interfere with. Absolutely. And you know, it's been said, anything that the government is able to give to you, if we look to government, they're able to take that away. And that's what was unique about our country's founding. They identified these rights are inalienable. They're from God, not from government. And that's why this country was founded. So, you know, a lot of times it seems like in this country, if something has an happens and it doesn't directly affect me or my pocketbook, we tend not to get involved. Why should the average everyday American citizen be concerned about something like this? Well, two things. If you don't push back, it's going to get more crowded. I mean, your, your, your right to free expression and free exercise is going to get more crowded in if we don't push back on it. And secondly, it's not just about America. It's about the guy from Uganda that you say prays for America. I know a number of people from other countries that pray strongly for America because of the very thing you said. If, if America loses ground, the, the rest of the world does on these basic fundamental human rights. In my view, for the last 20 years, we've lost ground on human rights around the world. And I think really what's happened is we've just kind of tried to make everything a human right. Uh, and then we have some things that are very debatable about, like some people believe abortion is a human right. You know, and I'm looking at it, I'm going, I, uh, to me, abortion is destroying a young life. How can that possibly be a human right? But when you make so many things human rights, if you make everything a human right, then nothing's a human right. And my view, and this was that of the prior administration, religious freedom is one of these cornerstone human rights. And it's one of the deepest. It's really the human right of the soul. Uh, you've got, and, but if you get it well established, then you can build freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, um, the, these other human rights off of this foundational one that that that's that's so strong and so central and so key. Um, that's why I think we really need to back up and say, let's get back to the basic human rights that the whole world agreed to in 1948 in the Charter of uh, UN Charter of Human Rights that included religious freedom. And let's really emphasize those. Let's get back to those basics and then let's build the human rights project uh, off of that. I, I think that's the, uh, the real, real key piece of it. You know, I, this, I'm going too long, but I want to make this point. I was in London and there was this, uh, this man there that was from a minority religion in Pakistan. And we, he was talking about religious freedom. He said, you know, religious freedom is, is such a personal human right. It goes to the very dignity of your own soul and what you do with your soul, that it's just deeper than almost any other right exists. Uh, and I thought, you know, that, that's a really a profound insight. It's, it's really about the it's the deep human right that's the human right of the soul and you you build it up strong and you've got something then that can stand up to tyranny boy so well said and i think you you really nailed it on the head and i think we in america this corona debacle that took place we saw the true colors of the spiritual forces 
behind this wanting to take our rights and things when you could go get an abortion, liquor stores were allowed to stay open, I think cannabis stores here in Colorado, yes. but you couldn't go to church, you couldn't go to your dentist, and all of a sudden, you know, in fact, it was one thing here in the Colorado Springs area that brought many of us pastors together because uh, the Department of Health started pushing real hard, telling us what we could and couldn't do. And finally, us pastors, we said, wait a second, they've really crossed some lines here. Yep. And uh, we began to gather together. And I was sitting with a couple of pastor friends and I said, guys, you know, we wouldn't probably be sitting here today if this thing hadn't happened. Unfortunately, it had to be something on a scale like uh, coronavirus. So on the one side, we're seeing some of these things come out. The good side of it or the positive, we're seeing people wake up and uh, get off the bench, get out onto the field, or as we say, come out of the barracks and get onto the battlefield. Because this really is a spiritual battleground. So what would you say like an average citizen, what can they do in something like this? Is there anything that, you know, they can do to help in this fight um, with what you're seeing going on at the level that way it's come against these nonprofit organizations and the fight for religious freedom? Yeah, I think there's several things, uh, Mark, that they can do. Um, one of them is they can go on our website and if they have been debanked or if they have been shut off or out by a tech company, give us the story. Uh, file it uh, on the website. We're going to take those and give them to uh, government regulators uh, that we think might be interested uh, in it, members of Congress that we think would be interested in holding hearings on this, state attorney generals in particular states that uh, people file these cases um, so that they can start to um, investigate and uh, push back against this. And again, remember, if we just kind of go quietly, you're going to continue to get this space crowded in on that. If, if you don't fight back, you know, like Ronald Reagan said, liberty is only a generation away from being lost. Every generation has to fight for their own liberty. And we've got it guaranteed here, but it's just one of those things that can keep getting crowded in. I remember having a brief conversation with Justice Alito about this, and I was asking him, are we going to have religious freedom in the United States? And he said, you're going to have it in law, but I don't know if you're going to be able to maintain it in culture, uh, in your everyday interactions. And that's what we need to fight for. So you can go on the website number two, and, and file your story. Number two, I hope people get motivated enough uh, on this to form state chapters of uh, the National Committee for Religious Freedom. We've modeled it, this after the National Right to Life Committee that has a small national entity, but most of the actions at the state level. It's Coloradoans for religious, uh, it's Coloradoans Right to Life Committee, it's uh, others. We want to have Colorado and Texans for religious freedom. State committees that can organize then and organize people to run for school board, state legislature, county commission, Congress, that will advocate for religious freedom, the free exercise clause. Because we've just, we've got to get on the field here and get people out and get active so they can do, they can do that uh, as well. And then finally, this is a new idea, but I'm really thinking we need to do this and follow a playbook from the, from others. We need to start getting people on corporate boards, major corporate boards that have an active faith. Mm -hmm. And we just need mm -hmm. to 
to start pushing these corporations to put somebody on there that, that has a vibrant uh, faith in them because often you don't need a majority, but you need somebody there asking a question. Why are we doing this? Why did, why did Chase Bank uh, eliminate and debank this entity? And sometimes just having somebody there asking the question causes the system to say, well, maybe we shouldn't do that. Uh, I think we really need to start a campaign to get people of faith on these major corporate boards. I love what you just said because that's a scriptural mandate in my opinion because Jesus said you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And of course in Jesus' day salt was the preservant. And if you didn't have salt, uh, they didn't have refrigerators and freezers. If you didn't have salt, it began to rot. And if you don't have light, you have darkness. But so my understanding, I didn't know this, with your organization, y'all are wanting to see state chapters started. Is that correct? Does your website tell how to get involved and possibly start a state chapter? It does. We talk about people taking the pledge and then asking us, I mean, then, then signing up to get involved. We've got, you know, kind of the nascent form of two started, one in Ohio and one in Arizona. Uh, but we just, we don't have many going. We just got started this year. Uh, but we're really trying to get people to, to sign up and to organize. Uh, you know, th this has been key in the right to life movement is that they, they had a national, they have national entities, but the action happens at the local level. That's it happens in each state and we will lose these fights if we fight them just at the elite level. If you just fight them, you know, in Washington or in Hollywood or the Academy, but we can win these fights at the grassroots levels. That's where we win fights because most of the people are with us, uh, but you, you got to get organized then. And, uh, and that's why we're organizing this effort on religious freedom in a state-by-state -state basis. We, we desperately need people on school boards that will just ask the questions. Why are we teaching a gender ideology to seven-year-olds? Why, why is this happening? I, I mean, and again, you don't need a majority necessarily on the board, but you need somebody that is calm and wise and discerning to sit on that board and say, and just ask the questions, why, why is this going on here? And, and that's really what, what we need to do. And I hope people will contact us on this website and say, hey, I wanna, I wanna get involved in a, in a chapter in North Dakota and, and I'll organize it. I'll get it going here. That's well, what we need to have happen. I'll second that motion and I need to be quiet because I want to hear from Richard here. I've been talking too much, but what you said, the local level, our good friend, David Barton, who's a great friend to this ministry and a blessing to all of us. Mm -hmm. He brought a message out about winning at the local level. And it's really the story of our country and we need to win these local battles. So I hope our viewing audience, Richard, is really listening close tonight because I just believe there's some people out there that can get involved, start a chapter, mm -hmm. and let's start winning some battles here in, um, in the state of Colorado. Yeah, and and I want to hear your attorney brain turn loose now. <laughs> oh, you don't want the lawyer uh, bit on this. I, it's a challenge because our, 
um, our civil rights laws, you know, th this was not a governmental entity that did it to them. This was a private so-called entity. Um, and, and our civil rights laws uh, don't generally extend into uh, financial transactions. Uh, they govern employment and things like that. Um, public accommodation, so perhaps they have a public accommodation argument, but if, if there's not a law on this, there needs to be. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, I wanna quote our good friend Bill Federer right now, Ambassador, who he says, the number one thing is to preach the gospel. The number two thing is to preserve the freedom to preach the gospel. And uh, you know, you said earlier that religious freedom has been decreasing uh, over the years. And I, I kind of just want to revisit that. And you know, you, you said something else too, that religious freedom is the first right protected in the first amendment of the constitution and in the bill of rights. And, and, it, and you don't have to be a rocket scientist to think that maybe our founding fathers realized that it was of foundational importance. What happens if we lose religious freedom? Is there really going to be a foundation for any other rights? Or is it going to be just, you know, every, uh, the cancel culture will uh, suspend your rights on anything they want if you don't agree with them? Where do you see this heading if we don't do something? Well, I, I think you're going to uh, lose a lot of the diversity of America uh, that's built upon the ability to have a different uh, viewpoint. You know, and, and just really to back you up, Richard, but to back up what you're saying, too, remember the Founding Fathers, they come over from Europe. At that time, Europe persecutes people if you're of a different faith orientation than somebody else. That's why the pilgrims left England and then went to the Netherlands, and then they ran they left there and coming to the United States, they were just simply wanting to practice their brand of Christianity. And so they take this perilous journey and lose half of their ship of people the first winter just to be able to practice their faith. Mm -hmm. But then out of that, they form a colony and other colonies, but you got the Quakers in Pennsylvania and you got the Catholics in Maryland and you got this group there and there. So they're gonna form 13 different nations based on the European model of a different religion for different nations. But they came together with this brilliant idea of no, no state religion, but no limitation on your free exercise. So you can be a Quaker, you can be a Baptist, you can be a Catholic, you can be a Jew, you can be nothing, uh, an atheist, and that's fine. You, and the government protects your right to do that. That's the government's role is to protect your right. Well, now you move forward to our modern time. Let's say, okay, the government's not going to protect your right uh, and you can't freely practice your faith. Well, then what happens? People go underground with their faith or they have to go somewhere else uh, or they'll start fighting back in different ways. And I think you really use, you lose the, the, the secret of how we built this incredibly diverse society that's been able to live together and grow phenomenally as a nation and be the most powerful nation on the face of the earth with the most diverse population on the face of the earth. You, mm -hmm. I, this is a key component uh, of that. And, you know, we've always found ways to accommodate people of different faith. We've, in Kansas, we have a number of Amish people, and a number of the Amish groups uh, don't, don't believe in sending their children to school past the age of 16. Well, the state requires you to go to school until you're 18. 
Well, we found a way to, okay, let's work with them and you'll have to get a GED, but you don't have to go to school past the age of 18. And we found a way to accommodate this sincerely held belief. Mm -hmm. And it really is a key piece of what's allowed this diverse nation to operate. And I don't think people want to see the Amish leave America before somewhere else or Orthodox Jews or any group, really. I, I want to see them here and practice their faith freely and without fear of retribution. Yeah. Amen. Well, you know, <clears throat> maybe it was the early 90s, maybe it was the late 80s. I don't remember. I'm sure you do, uh, Ambassador. But we used to call this uh, P being PC or political correctness, you know. But it seems now to have this idea of controlling what people say. Uh, there's there's some group that gets to decide what's acceptable speech and what's what's not acceptable. It's now gotten a lot bigger and a lot more dangerous. It seems to me where now we're saying who you get to associate with, who you get to donate to, who you get to support or not support in an election, and and uh, where is this thing going to end? It doesn't look good to me. I'm reminded of the French Revolution, you know, when uh, uh, which also was a, a nation that had rejected God, and they began to to cut off the heads of people who were not in in the accepted, you know, didn't didn't see the revolution the way they saw it, and eventually they had, you know, tens of thousands of people were murdered uh, at the guillotine, and who knows how many others lost their property and their freedoms, and a, it was a total bloodbath. Um, I think that this issue of religious freedom is the most important thing that we, that is facing us today, and if we don't. If we don't stand up and unite and speak vocally about it, um, there's there's dangerous times ahead. Very dangerous. Yeah. I, I think it is very dangerous, and it's going to go more high tech all along. Just look at what the Chinese communists are doing in places like Xinjiang. There's a camera for every other person. They've taken DNA samples of people. They follow people. They have facial recognition systems. They track your cell phone. And they're moving to digitize the currency and mm. so that they'll, all the currency will be electronic. And then they'll be able to turn the currency off or on for you or Mark if they decide, well, we really don't like you. And they'll be able to turn your money off. Uh, and I, I just, I really think this is the time for us as, as people of faith or non-faith. Even if you're an atheist, you should want religious freedom protected because of its basic nature and need um, uh, as a as a fundamental human right, and I, I think this is really the time we've got to stand up and push back on these things. Uh, Ambassador, have you heard about this thing called ESG? Uh, I think it stands for environment, uh, social, and then governance, where banks, financial institutions, and others are going to, and they have already started rating people and giving us scores based on our beliefs and actions, and then that will determine our access to other privileges. Uh, have you heard about that? And obviously, I think I could say what your thoughts are, but can you comment on it? <laughs> no, absolutely. I've heard about it. And I, I've been, now, since this happened to the entity that we started up, I've been contacted by a number of people that are working to push back on ESG policies. Uh, and, the, you know, the, the thought is, why, why do you give, um, you know, a, a group of people, this kind of overarching power or authority to say, um, well, we don't 
we don't like uh, oil companies. We don't like uh, gun manufacturers. Uh, we don't like this or that group. And you can say, I, I don't like guns, but people do have Second Amendment rights. This is a this is a constitutional right that you have. Well, are you going to be able to exercise that right uh, or not? And I, I just think these things are all very dangerous in the sense that uh, you're you're really trying to limit people by another means. When, like I say, the, the nature of the nation has always been we tried to find a way to accommodate people's deeply held, sincere beliefs that are also their constitutional rights. Uh, and and I, I think we need to firmly, uh, uh, carefully uh, organize and push back uh, against these efforts. Uh, you know, I mentioned getting people on corporate boards, uh, and I, I think we ought to be pushing back on these corporations. And I, my hope is, uh, you know, as a former governor, I saw the power of some of these corporations in states if they start pulling economic assets out or, or threatening to pull them out. You know, you you just kind of whoa. This is something that's going to impact us. Um, I just I really don't think these corporations ought to be um, narrowing and limiting people's uh, basic rights. Ambassador, can I take us back to the day? I just had a question. When you went to make that deposit, so you just formed this organization, open a bank account at Chase Bank. Um, you hadn't been open but about a month, if I remember correctly. You go up to make a deposit. The teller looks and says, oh, this has been closed. It was a corporate decision. They wouldn't tell you why. Did you ever get an explanation? I know that they ask you for your donor base, I believe, but where did it leave off? What was their official stance? Well, we never did get one, and then eventually, and this happened just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I got contacted by one of their lobbyists in Washington, uh, D.C. Um, and uh, he said, hey, we want to apologize for the uh, bad customer service uh, that we uh, did for uh, you guys. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we should have handled it better. But, you know, we're, uh, we apologize for the bad customer service. And I, I thought, this this isn't a customer service issue. There's something else going on here, uh, but I uh, we haven't haven't heard anything else official. They did give us a letter I wrote to the uh, CEO of uh, Chase Bank, and uh, but they said they wouldn't allow us to disclose what they were saying in the letter, and so we've got ongoing discussions with uh, Chase Bank as to why they did this, but they have not provided. Any, uh, um, they haven't provided any reasoning as to why they shut the bank account. Well, I agree with you. Uh, it was way beyond the pale of customer service. This is a, this is a much more serious. Also, I want to remind our listening audience. I'm curious if you've got some questions for Ambassador uh, Brown back here. Be sure to send in your questions. We may be able to get to some of those before the shows over. Richard. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, I, I had a question which is trying to 
um, maybe maybe things are are not quite as gloomy as as what we've been posting. Um, yes, uh, last week we had on Matt Staver of Liberty Council on our program, and uh, he was telling us about how uh, amazing the rulings have been on the issue of religious freedom coming out of the United States Supreme Court over the last uh, term or two. And uh, I wonder if you've been following that. Do you have uh, similar thoughts about that or comments on on the if you will, the job that our Supreme Court is doing. I, I think they've been fabulous uh, on religious freedom. I mean, you, clearly this court is seeing this same issue developing in this country uh, as it is crowding in on religious freedom. And it's been interesting to me to look at it uh, as, a, as a recovering lawyer uh, <laughs> that we, we, you know, for a long time, the Supreme Court emphasized the establishment clause. Everything was an establishment clause case. Like right. the coach can't, uh, you can't have a prayer at a graduation exercise because that's an establishment of religion, which I don't understand how that's an establishment of a, of, of a bank, of a, of a you know, church of America, but they would consider everything an establishment clause. This court has moved to the other side of that sentence and said, well, you have free exercise rights. So Coach Kennedy can pray on the sidelines by himself at the end of a football game because it's his free exercise. Yeah. The courts 30 years ago would have probably said, well, that's an establishment clause. He can't do that because he's establishing a governmental religion. Uh, and I'm, I'm just very happy that the Supreme Court is establishing these strong foundational rights under free exercise. I just think we really need to push forward in the culture, uh, in the political processes, to get people that'll stand up in those systems for free exercise the way the Supreme Court uh, is now <clears throat> standing up and helping us to establish uh, these free exercise cases. So I, I think it's, we, we, I think we just gotta get really going on this. And you know, think about it too, gentlemen, Neither of you and most of your listeners have probably <clears throat> historically thought anything about your religious freedom rights in this country. You go to church on Sunday, you didn't have any problem. You know, you just, you, you, you didn't, no bank canceled you, nothing happened anywhere. Everything's fine, but that's changing. And the, the faster we recognize that and get organized to push back against it, the more effective our results will be. Mm. Um, you, you know, uh, in Colorado, we've got a famous, somewhat famous case here. It's called the, the Cake Baker. <laughs> Jack Phillips, uh, owner, owner of the Masterpiece Cake Shop uh, in uh, the Denver metro area, um, has been relentlessly prosecuted, persecuted, if you will, by LGBT activists and the Colorado Civil Rights Commission um, and uh, has yet to really find relief. Um, where are, you know, he's another believer, right? A Christian who's simply trying to walk according to his sincerely held religious beliefs. Um, I, I'm curious, Ambassador, you, uh, you're a, a follower of Christ and you've had a, a long and distinguished career rising all the way up to the, you know, rank of ambassador in the federal government. And yet across America, we still have a lot of pastors and a lot of Christians who are saying we shouldn't get involved in politics. 
What's your message to pastors who are teaching that, speaking that, thinking that way, or even to um, average Christians in the pew who don't vote, don't, don't get involved, and think it's all about going to heaven and, and don't really want to try to influence how things go down here? And if my, the way I said it is biased, I apologize, but that's how I view it. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Richard, I understand. I mean, who wants to get involved in a fight? Mm. I mean, you're just kind of looking at it and you go, I, you know, I just, all I want to do is just, I want to be fed uh, as I come into church and I want to, I want to practice my faith. The problem is you're going to get into a situation here that's going to be like a lot of other countries where you're not going to be able to publicly um practice your faith and maybe you just say well okay then i'll just privately practice my faith well if they crowd you out of the public square they're going to be able to then start pursuing you privately uh too i i, I just I, I think there just gets to be a sequence of things that if you don't stand up and at some point in time uh, fight and stand up for other people's rights i i stand for religious freedom for everybody uh, for uh, for Christians and for Jews and Hindus and Muslims and and people who have no faith at all, that they have a right to uh, to uh, if you want to be an atheist, you have that religious freedom right as well. That this is a personal dignity that you have as an individual, and we really should fight for it. And if you don't, I think you're going to continue to see the crowding in. And the limiting of that, we're already we're seeing a lot of it in the educational space, uh, where kind of the, you you see these ideologies creep into the educational system. You're seeing it in healthcare, that people are starting to say, okay, if you will not uh, prescribe that uh, abortion abortifacient that kills a child, you're gonna we're gonna limit your pharmacy license, or we're gonna fire you as a pharmacist. Uh, and you're you're going, well, wait a minute, I don't. I don't want to be a part of killing this child. Well, if you want to be a pharmacist, we're going to require you to that, or we're going to fire you. Uh, I, I just think people better recognize that that this is the way these major changes socially, this is the way they happen. It's often not all at once a big thing. It's an incremental issue that just keeps crowding in. And as I've said earlier in the show, what happens here dramatically affects religious freedom around the world. If you're concerned about religious freedom in Nigeria or China, um, you should be. I mean, there's reasons to be uh, concerned there. But anything that happens here just opens the door for more of it to happen there on religious persecution. You know, uh, since both of you are attorneys, you know, our good friend Bill Federer, he's a dear friend. Mm -hmm. He... Uh, teaches for us here. I oversee the practical government school. So we usually have him in two or three times a year. And I'm having him at the church that I pastor, Church for All Nations. I like to have him two, three, four times a year just because I believe we're suffering from national Alzheimer's. We don't remember our history. We don't know it. And we're acting very delusional right now. But he just sent me a message he delivered uh, entitled Silence equals consent. And what you both were talking about with the pastors, Jesus made the distinction. There's a difference between a shepherd and a hireling. And, you know, there is a fight. And if we don't want to go to it, it's coming to us as you have made the point so clear. But uh, there's a thing in law, I guess, called tacit admission. 
And I guess really if you're silent, you're consenting to something like at a wedding, Bill brings out. You know, if there's anybody that's not in agreement with this, speak up now or forever hold your peace. And really, this is what we've had in America. So while people are <laughs> blaming the liberals and all of the Democrats and some of the Republicans and things like that, I think it goes swearly back upon the pulpits of this nation, as Charles Finney pointed out uh, very eloquently. Uh, question, I don't hope this is too far off. What do you think is going to happen in the midterms, Ambassador? Uh, right now I'm seeing a lot of fear in the Democrats. Uh, there's being talk of a massive red wave. What are you seeing? And if, you do, if we do see a red wave, how will this affect some of the things we've been talking about tonight, do you think? It, it looks like most of the prognosticators have, have uh, uh, strongly believe that the House is going to flip, uh, that it'll go Republican. Uh, and many of them are, are now saying that the Senate will too, but not near the percentage uh, that, that, that say that it's going to flip. I mean, it's, it's over 80-20 on the House that most of the people that track this stuff and track the indicators. And you look at the generic ballot, that's usually really your kind of your best indicator of kind of what kind of wave. And that one's looking like you're going to have um, a, a red wave similar to 2010. Maybe not as big as 2014, but uh, 2010 was a strong uh, was a strong wave as well. And uh, so I think I think you're going to see a flip. Once that happens, I really think you'll start to see these issues of religious freedom coming out more in the public view as a house starts holding hearings about, well, well, why are these banks debanking social conservative groups and start pushing regulators? I hope that there's um, uh, red state attorney generals, maybe some blue states, I'd love to have that happen, but some red state attorney generals that'll start taking some of these cases up uh, and holding a light uh, to, them as, uh, to them as well. My experience on these social issues is that if we will stand up in truth and carefully and wisely present our cases, we will ultimately win these cases because we're standing on truth. Mm -hmm. Amen. Uh, it may take a while. The Dobbs case to overturn Roe took 50 years, mm. but it was overturned because Roe was never in the Constitution. Never in the Constitution. But Dobbs, they didn't challenge it. Many didn't challenge it on the basis of its legal analysis. They just said, well, people are, you know, they're used to having the free access to abortion. So, well, that's not the Supreme Court standard. The Supreme Court standard is what's the law say? What's the Constitution say? And uh, so I, we just, we need to stand up uh, carefully, lovingly, clearly, wisely. But we need to stand, and if we will, we will win these fights because we're standing on truth. We're standing on the Constitution. Amen. And Ambassador, I didn't realize time's getting away from us, but we do have some questions yep. that have come in. Richard? Yes, we do. Uh, here's one from William on Facebook, and he's asking, uh, are there any banks that are Christian-based where we can transfer our money to and trust that they... Uh, well, he says, trust that they have biblical principles. Uh, we uh, at least trust that they're not going to uh, debank us. Um, I'm sure there are. I don't have a list of, uh, of ones. Um, and I'm hoping that, that, uh, that there was some mistake in the system with uh, Chase and they just, that this somehow just 
accidentally happened. That's not what we're indicating. We're hearing so far. Uh, I think there are some institutions that uh, can recommend uh, banks that won't uh, that won't debank you. Um, and as I mentioned, if I think if the Congress flips, you'll start seeing some hearings on this debanking phenomena. That some of these names will come out more clearly of, of some of the institutions that seem to be more given uh, to uh, uh, to debanking uh, people. But I don't I don't have a list uh, to provide people. Right. Right. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Um, we're going to research that here at Truth and Liberty, and um, uh, hopefully have some information for our viewers soon. Um, Ambassador, here's another question, and this is coming from Robert on chat, and he asks. Who can we contact to express our discontent about Chase? Do we contact the government? And I know you. That's uh, a good opportunity for us to remind folks about your website as well. Um, so, what would your thoughts be about that? In addition to going to your website, what can people do? You know, they can go to the website at thencrf.org, the NCRF National Committee for Religious Freedom.org, and, and file it there. I would hope people honestly would write to Chase, uh, write to the CEO Jamie Dimon of uh, Chase Bank and say, uh, are you debanking uh, people based upon uh, what they stand for or not? And and see what response they uh, they give. He had testified in front of the United States Senate not two weeks earlier when I wrote to him about that they believe in religious freedom. Uh, he stated that uh, in front of a U.S. Senate Banking Committee uh, meeting. And you know, you just kind of, well, I, and the letter I wrote to him, I said, you know, look, I appreciate you saying that, but this is, was our experience with your bank. Mm, now, these yeah. are huge financial, global financial institutions. So, I mean, they've got millions of accounts, but I, I would hope people would write uh, write to their to the chairman of the board, to Jamie Dimon, and ask, is, is this a policy of theirs or not? And, um, and like I say, I, I think, too, uh, we and I hope to join some other groups will start a campaign to try to get a person of faith on some of these major corporate boards because it's just we, we need a voice uh, in these places. This is something that the, the faith community has not done well uh, is really get people in positions on on business entities. I think they've done well in the government in the legislative bodies. Uh, certainly at the federal level, uh, at state level, less less well, I think, at the local level. But I think we need to, to work on that at the corporate level. The, the left-wing groups have done a much, much better job of that. Absolutely. Well, I, you know, I, here at Truth and Liberty, we say all the time that Christians, uh, or as you're saying, people of faith, need to become involved in every area of society, in all areas of influence, arts and entertainment and education and banking and finance and just everything. Um, and stop having sort of a, um, uh, an escapist mentality that, hey, I'm saved, I'm getting out of here. Uh, good luck, you guys. <laughs> you know, I don't think that's really what Christ called us to. Yeah. Um, well, that's not being salt and light. No, that's, that's definitely... Definitely not being salt and light. I think we have one more 
Uh, one more question I want to ask if we can fit it in. Looks like we've got um, almost four minutes left. But Ambassador, what about tax exempt status for churches and, and uh, Christian charities? Um, recently here at Andrew Womack Ministries, we had a local legal battle that we were in and our uh, people that were opposed to our position were, were calling for the revocation of our tax exempt status. Um, is that a time honored, cherished tradition in America? Is it important for religious freedom? Do you have any thoughts about tax exempt status and whether it's important to preserve it? for churches? Absolutely, it should be preserved for churches. Uh, I mean, these are, these are foundational entities to uh, uh, kind of the, the character of the society. Remember the founders, again, were, they, they had this great experiment about we're going to give maximum freedom to individuals. They came from places where everybody had a king or a queen. It was a monarchy, and the, the, the king ruled. But they come here and they go, no, we're going to give freedom to people, but you have to do self-governance. You have to govern yourself. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, many of the founders wrote about the, the, the self-governing aspects of religion, that it, that it puts in the mechanisms and it develops the character within the individual to do self-governance. Uh, and they've, they've been cherished institutions in this country from our very founding of, of this sort of self-governance aspect of maximum liberty uh, mm -hmm. to a people. And so I, I think the, this, we've got to absolutely fight for that tax exempt uh, status to be maintained for, for faith-based institutions. Plus look at all the social capital, uh, spiritual capital that churches put out, the number of hospitals and homeless shelters and feeding of, of people and, and taking care of the poor and the downtrodden that, that, are, that are done by spiritual-based institutions. It's the church that does this in America. It's the church that works with people. And if, if we lose that and the spiritual capital that the church has put in, we are gonna, we're gonna have to pay billions of more dollars to do it by government and it won't be done nearly as well. Well said, Ambassador. And you know, it's not the job of government to do that. It's just as you said, it's the job of the church. And Ambassador, we want to thank you for joining us tonight and thank you for being salt and light. I remember when we first got word of what happened, we were like, what? And uh, you've brought this to light. And I want to encourage our listening audience, if we could put your information to please visit your website. You know, Andrew's so supportive of everybody, Richard, and he always supports, but we encourage you to get on this website and uh, maybe let's see some local chapters started by our listening audience. And thank you for being willing to help us do that. And uh, any closing words? We've got less than 30 seconds here. Would really appreciate your prayers. I mean, this, this is a really a, a key fight and it's a key time. Uh, and I, uh, I, I hope people will be, well, they'll, they'll pray and they'll act. Uh, but I, I hope you will pray uh, about these issues of religious freedom in the United States of America. And I hope that'll lead to action on your part. Thanks for listening. God bless you all. Thank you, Ambassador Sam Brownback, for all you're doing. And thank you to our listening audience for joining in. And a special thanks to CTN for carrying us. We'll look forward to seeing all of you next week at this same time. Lord bless you richly. Join us next time for the Truth and Liberty broadcast. Find tonight's episode and related articles and links at truthandliberty.net.
Truth and Liberty is viewer supported. If you'd like to help us continue our live casts, you can make a donation at truthandliberty.net. 